Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of brain death diagnosis found under the neurology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A previously healthy 46-year-old female presents to the emergency department after a motor vehicle accident. The patient is unresponsive to noxious stimuli. Pupils are dilated and unresponsive to light. Oculovestibular and gag reflexes are absent. The patient is intubated due to loss of spontaneous respirations. After further workup, an apnea test is performed, which demonstrates no respiratory response with a PaCO2 greater than 60 millimeters of mercury. Let's continue with an introduction to brain death diagnosis. Remember that brain death equals death. In order to determine brain death, one must perform a neurological exam, exclude metabolic, poisons, and intoxication causes, establish normothermia, establish normotension, and should know the cause of brain death. In the neurological exam, there will be permanent irreversible coma, a loss of response to painful stimuli from the brain-originating motor area, and a loss of brainstem reflexes such as corneal, pupillary, jaw jerk, oculovestibular, and gag reflexes. Normothermia is defined as greater than 97 degrees Fahrenheit or greater than 36 degrees Celsius. Remember that hypothermia may confound an apnea test, and this may require a warming blanket. Normotension refers to greater than 100 millimeters of mercury systolic blood pressure, and this may require vasopressors. In terms of the etiologies, it may be due to cardiopulmonary arrest due to inadequate or delayed resuscitation. It may also be due to a traumatic brain injury, subarachnoid hemorrhage, and ischemic or hemorrhagic processes. Remember that this can be a focal or a global process. In terms of the evaluation, the clinical diagnosis involves the evaluation previously described, and remember that the presence of spinal cord reflexes is still compatible with brain death. Apnea testing is performed after brain death criteria is met. This requires being eucapnic, normothermic, having normotension, and there being an absence of hypoxia. To display an absence of respiratory drive, there should be no respiratory response with a PaCO2 greater than 60 millimeters of mercury or if the PaCO2 is greater than 20 millimeters of mercury above the baseline. Remember that apnea testing is invalid in CO2 retainers, such as patients with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Ancillary testing is performed when one is unable to do an apnea test or the neurological exam is unreliable. Ancillary testing includes EEG, cerebral angiography, which is the gold standard, a nuclear scan, and transcranial Doppler ultrasonography. And lastly, in terms of the differential, make sure to think about locked-in syndrome, hypothermia, drug intoxication, and Guillain-Barre syndrome. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to brain death diagnosis, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 58-year-old man presents to the emergency department after being found down. He sustained a head strike one day prior to presentation. Over the course of the day, the patient appeared more fatigued and became less interactive. He recently had an acute myocardial infarction requiring stent placement and initiation of aspirin anticagrelor. Upon arrival to the emergency department, 
the patient's blood pressure is 195 over 105, pulse is 40 beats per minute, and respirations are 7 breaths per minute. The patient is immediately intubated and undergoes a CT scan of the head without contrast, which demonstrates an epidural and intraparenchymal hemorrhage, along with intraventricular extension. He is admitted to the ICU for further management. At the 24-hour mark of his comatose state, his temperature is 98 degrees Fahrenheit, or 36.7 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 140 over 90. Pulse is 70 beats per minute, and respirations are 16 breaths per minute. He does not open his eyes, grimace, or move to noxious stimuli with firm supraorbital pressure. His pupils are 8 millimeters, fixed, and unreactive to light. He has no corneal, vestibular ocular, cough, or gag reflex. CT head without contrast demonstrates slightly worsened hemorrhage from the previous scan. Which of the following is the most appropriate next step in management? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Apnea testing Choice 2. Electroencephalogram Choice 3. Magnetic resonance angiography Choice 4. Somatosensory evoked potentials Or Choice 5. Transcranial Doppler The best answer to this question is Choice 1. Apnea testing This patient is presenting with a significant intracranial hemorrhage complicated by an absence of brainstem reflexes consistent with brain death. Once absence of brainstem reflexes are noted, apnea testing is performed to confirm brain death. Brain death is irreversible damage to both cerebral and brainstem function. The cause of brain death should be known, which in this case is due to an extensive intracranial hemorrhage. Complicating medical conditions or drug intoxication or poisoning should be excluded as they may confound clinical assessment. Core temperature should be greater than 97 degrees Fahrenheit or 36 degrees Celsius, and systolic blood pressure should be greater than 100 millimeters of mercury, even if pressors are required. A neurological assessment follows, where the patient should be comatose with absent brainstem reflexes and brain-originating motor responses, such as withdrawal to painful stimuli. After the neurological exam is consistent with brain death, the next step is to perform an apnea test to confirm loss of brainstem function. The patient should be eucapnic, meaning there should be a PaCO2 between 35 to 45 prior to apnea testing. Patients are pre-oxygenated, are then disconnected from the ventilator, and oxygen is given via tracheal cannula. Then the patient is observed to see if there is response for movement for 8 to 10 minutes. A positive apnea test is when there is no respiratory movement and an arterial blood gas demonstrates a PCO2 of greater than 60 millimeters of mercury or a PCO2 increase of greater than 20 from baseline and arterial pH is less than 7.28. If the apnea test is inconclusive, then ancillary testing is used. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 2. Electroencephalogram is a type of ancillary test used if the apnea test is inconclusive. An EEG finding suggestive of brain death is an absence of electrographic activity. Apnea testing should be performed first, prior to ancillary testing. Choice 3. Magnetic resonance angiography is a type of ancillary testing that would demonstrate an absence of cerebral blood flow in the brain death. However, apnea testing should be performed first, prior to ancillary testing. Choice 4. Somatosensory evoked potentials are a type of ancillary testing 
that assesses the response of the parietal sensory cortex to media nerve stimulation. Bilateral absence of this parietal sensory cortex response is supportive of brain death. However, apnea testing should be performed first prior to ancillary testing. Choice 5. Transcranial Dopplers is a type of ancillary testing that assesses cerebral blood flow. Apnea testing should be performed prior to ancillary testing. Finally, a bullet summary. Apnea testing confirms the diagnosis of brain death in comatose patients with irreversible loss of cerebral and brainstem function caused by a devastating neurological insult in the absence of medical or toxic abnormalities. That's all for this review about brain death diagnosis. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.